must get rid of this man. We must arrest him. He has said some horrendous things about us, and he encourages the people to break the law. Weeks ago, he stormed into the temple of the courtyard, turning over the tables of the money changers, and called the holy temple of God a den of thieves. Then he walked straight into the temple and started teaching the people. The people follow him in crowds, and he stirs them with his tails wherever he goes. I have heard of these gatherings of crowds from Galilee to here. When I first met him, I asked him by whose authority he functions, but he would not say. He just asked questions about that other troublemaker, the one the people called, uh, held out as a prophet, John the Baptizer. <laughs> he was trying to trick me. When I didn't answer, neither did he. I was humiliated in front of the Sanhedrin, in front of the teachers of the law. But he speaks about the sacred scriptures with an authority that I do not understand. How does he know the law as he does? Is he who he says he is? No, no, he cannot be who he says he is. I am the authority. I have studied the scriptures from my youth, and I was appointed to this seat. I have fought for this nation. I will fight for the people. They cannot be led astray by this imposter. This man must be stopped. But, but what are we to do? They continue to follow him, and they don't follow the teachers of the holy law. If they continue to follow him, the Romans will take away our temple, our nation. We will be nomads again. He says he will destroy the sacred temple within three days. Destroy our holy temple, our foundation, our holy place, and rebuild it in three days? And he blatantly proclaims himself to be the Son of God? How dare he quote from the scriptures like that? How dare he speak of himself as the Son of God? It, he should not be proclaiming the scriptures as he does. I, he cannot have the people. The people cannot continue to follow this particular man as they have. No, no, he is not who he says he is. This is sacrilegious rubbish. He cannot speak with such audacity. He signs his own death sentence. It is better that one man should die for the people that the whole nation perishes. We must get rid of this man. This is worthy of death. What have I done? What have I done? 
I never meant for this to happen. What was I thinking? I'll tell you what I was thinking. That Jesus Christ, this man I've been walking with for the past three years, isn't the leader that I thought he would be. The prophets announced for centuries a coming Messiah. And when I first heard Jesus talking, I thought for sure he would be the leader of the Jews. A strong politician who would overthrow the Roman government. But it wasn't like that. It wasn't like that at all. I never understood who he was. I never understood his worth. Like when Mary poured expensive perfume on him, all I could think about was what a waste of money that was. The perfume could have been sold and the money given to the poor. I never saw it for what it was until now. Her devotion, her love poured out on him. She wanted to give her best to honor him. It was then that I started to make a plan. I thought maybe if I put Jesus in a difficult position that he would step up to being a true religious leader. So, I snuck away. I snuck away to visit the chief priests. I asked, what are you willing to give me if I hand Jesus over to you? And soon, a sack with 30 silver coins was handed to me. 30 silver coins. The price of a slave. 30 silver coins. Which was more money than I had in my pocket yesterday. 30 silver coins. The salary I would earn for letting the chief priest know when Jesus would be in a quiet place. Everything else is a blur to me. It all happened so quickly. We ate together our last meal. Jesus began talking about the bread being a symbol of his broken body and the wine in remembrance of his blood. I don't even know what that means. And while we were together at the table, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. Slowly, one after the other, we said, Surely it is not I, Lord. Then, <laughs> then Jesus dipped the bread and he handed the bread to me because he knew, he knew it was me. And when he looked at me, I knew, I knew he was who he said he was. His eyes told me. Somehow Jesus knew my plan. 
For he said, what you are about to do, do quickly. After Passover, it would be a very quiet night. So I went and gathered the chief priests. As we were walking into the garden, I overheard Jesus saying, Look, the hour is near. And the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise. Let us go. My betrayer is upon us. But it was too late. I led them. I led the soldiers to where he would be. And then I betrayed him. I betrayed him with a kiss. I saw Jesus' face, and it all became clear to me. But it was too late. The crowds, the soldiers, they rushed in so quickly and surrounded him. So, instead, I ran. I ran as fast as I could. What have I done? What have I done? Did I really choose to betray him? <laughs> Is there no relief from this pain and guilt? No forgiveness of this sin? No way out of this despair. God, take this torment from me. What do I do now? I mean, I was prepared to die. I was chained, sitting in a cell, waiting to be executed for crimes that I did against Rome. Every time I heard footsteps, I was prepared to be dragged out of my cell and nailed to a cross. The one time that those footsteps were for me, I panicked and I started, my stomach was turning and I was sweating. To be honest, I thought I was more prepared to die than that. But when the guards came into my cell, the last thing I expected to happen, happened. I mean, instead of taking me out to be executed, they told me that I was going to be released because of the Passover. I thought that they were playing a cruel prank on me just before my death. But no, it was true. 
He released me, took off my chains. At first, I was overwhelmed with joy. I mean, God had released me. He freed me. He has seen how much time and effort and sacrifice I put in into this, this, this revolt against the Roman Empire. And so I was free to go and continue on trying to bring down the Roman Empire. But then I found out what really happened. My people decided to release this man instead of me. This man claimed to be king of the Jews. I don't know if you know, but God promised Israel a king who would bring down Israel's oppressors and reestablish our glory. Now some were saying that this man was an imposter because if he was really a king, he wouldn't have allowed himself to die on a cross. But then there was others who said that this man taught with such an authority that has never been seen in Israel before. I mean, he healed people. He, he performed miracles. And when he talked to some people, he told them their personal specific sins and still treated them with love and kindness. And he forgave them. Now, everybody knows who I am. I've killed, I have robbed, I have taken from Rome because they oppress Israel. But some of the people are saying that this man, he talked to a Roman officer and healed his servant just because the Roman officer asked him. And not only that, but, but this king said that he saw no greater faith in this Roman officer than he had in all of Israel. If you look at it, this man that my people decided to set free instead of me, he didn't do anything wrong. In fact, he did great and wonderful things for Israel. Now, I'm trying to free Israel through hate and violence. But this man, he brought my people hope through love and forgiveness. So I am so confused. I mean, why, 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 Lord? This does not make any sense. I mean, Pilate, he told my people that he found no fault in this man. And he knows who I am. He knows exactly who I am. He knows every drop of Roman blood that I spelled for the sake of Israel. And yet, Pilate hands this man over to be executed while I'm set free. Things aren't supposed to work this way. Things aren't supposed to be like this. Not only was this, was this man blameless, but he gave my people hope through love and forgiveness. So why was this man, blameless man killed in my place? Like, 
How am I supposed to process this? Because I thought that I was fighting a holy war against those who oppressed Israel. Now I'm, I'm starting to wonder if this mission was as holy as I thought it was. So do I, do I stay the course? Even though an innocent man died in my place? Like, I'm, I'm alive right now because he, he died for me. It's because of him that I'm here. So, so now do I stay the course? And keep leading this rebellion against Rome? Or do I let the impact of this man's death sink in? Because it'll drastically change my purpose in life. So what do I do now? What do I do now? So these three characters present the emotions and perspectives of the Easter story. Caiaphas, unwilling to give up his position and power, or Judas, what's in it for me? What will I get out of this? And then, of course, Barabbas represents the tension and the, the disbelief, the confusion of injustice. And it was confusing even when you're on the positive side of injustice. But here's what I want you to see this morning, that in the middle of confusion, we can never make sense out of what looks like injustice. Mm -hmm. We are in a panic. We try to survive. We're asking, why is this happening? We may feel distant from God. We might feel He is distant from us, wondering where He is and why He's not doing anything about the pain and confusion of our own life. And most of us are bothered by injustice, particularly when it intersects our own life. Over the years, people have asked me, why? Why does God allow evil to thrive in this world? It, there are different forms of the question, given the circumstances of life. Why did my marriage fall apart when I tried so hard? Why do I have all of these expenses and custody battles? Why am I losing my house? Why do I have financial trouble? All of these questions plague our minds. And then why do people who seem to be so bad prosper? What's up with that? I try so hard to be good and I get all of this injustice and then those who seem to be the crooks and those who are not of good character, they seem to prosper. Maybe this morning your faith has eroded because of the injustice you have observed or even experienced. Could I just say that when you are in the center of all of that, don't make conclusions about your God. The truth be known, there's a Barabbas in all of us. At some level, we deserve punishment for the imperfections of our own life. We've all said things we regret and done things we wish we had a do-over for. 
We've been passive when it has called for courage. Our behavior has messed with ourselves and those who are around us. We all need mercy. And we all need grace. And all along, Jesus is there. And the end of the story and the end of your story has not yet been written. And even in the injustice, the will of God is advanced. And in the Easter story, we, the conditions were created for the Son of God to be crucified. And without his crucifixion, there could be no resurrection. It was Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, who went to the cross and was nailed on, our, on that for our, our imperfections so that we could be released. We deserve justice and death and the penalty, but Jesus Christ took it all on himself and we are able to receive his grace and his forgiveness and his mercy. This morning as we come to the communion table, this is what Easter is all about. And this is where it began. The cross changes everything. 